Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Any questions I ask myself when I question myself. Table fan, how are you feeling tonight? Let's go. Hey, can we just like give it up for Jarian? Just why, like, not, and he's incredible, and the band's incredible, and it's not even his musical competency, although music was incredible tonight. I mean, y'all just saw a witness of what it looks like to lead from character, and to lead from vulnerability, and to look what it looks like to lead from this is everything that I have today. Uh, today's not the best day. Here's what's going on. We're a family. We can talk about it. We're banking for the broken. We can be honest with what's going on. Man, so I just, I don't know if you can hear me, man. I love you, bro. I'm so grateful for your leadership, man, and just for the moment that we're able to just experience as a table family. So one more time, we just give it up for our band. Um, hey, but if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Isaac. I'm the young adult pastor here at First Orlando and help bring leadership as well, along with our leadership team here at the table. And if you were here last week, you know, I was not here last week. I missed you guys. Um, I was in Texas. I got to go on vacation uh, for about nine days. Uh, it's a God's country, Texas. There, hey, there we go. I uh, got to see the family. But um, if, you, if you know, if we know each other, you know that I have a five-month-old daughter. And my, uh, my daughter, for the first time, got to meet my grandmother, her great-grandmother. And my, great, my grandmother, her great-grandmother, is 91 years old. But my grandmother probably is the most joy-filled, enthusiastic person that I've ever met in my life. 91 years old. has so much. Y'all, she would out-energy all y'all. Because she's like, ah! And then my daughter's like, ah! And they're just like, ah! And it's like, and they're just like feeding off of each other and just like vibing. And, you know, just for me, it just, it was a really, really cool moment. But man, we had such an incredible time, but I'm bummed I was not able to hang out with you guys um, last week. But you know, if you've been here at the table, um, we've been going through this fall, we've been going through a series called Messy Church, where we're going through Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And as we've been journeying, you know, you know some of the things that we've been talking about, but here's what we're doing um, in two weeks, because then Paul, we kind of at the heart of the letter, kind of in the middle, Paul hits things. Um, that I think we as young adults, although everything is relevant, but I think the next three weeks are going to be especially relevant to what we're dealing with, like on the day-to-day, super practical. Because in two weeks, uh, we're going to be, we're in uh, 1 Corinthians chapters 5 through 7. We're going to talk about them together um, for the next three weeks. In two weeks, we're talking about marriage. Right. And I know most of you are not married, but we just want to be able to talk about that to help process that and park it in the letter. Okay. Next week, we're talking about dating. Right? Does, now, does Paul actually talk about dating? No, but he does talk about marriage, and he also talks about what we're talking about today, and we need to talk about the process to like, move from where we are today uh, to marriage. And so what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about being single. Boo! Give me my money back! No! Right? So the reason, so here's my story. <laughs> Uh, I know you're getting what you're paid for, guys, tonight. Uh, so being single, so here's my story of singleness. Kind of starts, it doesn't actually start with me. My story of being single is actually, or being single actually start with, starts with my parents. So some of you know this, if you've heard my story, um, that sing, my, my mom is from Puerto Rico, and they had a traumatic experience in Puerto Rico, and then my dad is from Texas. He's second-generation Mexican, but grew up in Texas. So my Puerto Rican family and my mother, 16 years old, she moves over uh, to Texas, and the, literally they, they flew in on a Tuesday, literally on Wednesday, my parents meet for the first time at church, right? So they meet for the first time, and my dad is like, oh, she is so beautiful. I ha- like, I just want to get to know her. 
So he walks over, and he says, hey, do you speak any English? Literally the first thing he says to her. She was incredibly offended and says, no, and then literally just left. <laughs> and that's how my parents' relationship started. See, my dad, though, my dad was smooth. He was not deterred. He's like, okay, He's like, my dad's name is Ben, Benjamin. He's like, okay, Benjamin, it's not, not the best star, but I think, I think we can recover to try to get to know her. So here's what he does. He goes to the high school, because the school year had just started. He goes to the high school, and he goes to the high school counselor. And he says, hey, there's going to be a girl. Her name is Alpha. My mom is Alpha. I also, a side note, I also have an aunt named Omega. It's a true story. I'll talk more about that later. Okay, my mom's name is Alpha. Okay, so, so my dad, Benjamin, goes to the, the high school counselor and says, hey, you're going to have a student. She's 16 years old, starting her junior year of high school. Um, her name is Alpha. She doesn't speak any English. I found this out the hard way. She does not speak any English. But here's what I want to do. I would be happy to be her translator. So if you put her in all of my classes, I'd be happy to translate for her. That way she can just have a smooth high school experience. And the high school counselor goes, wow, that's so kind of you, Ben. He's like, I know, just kind of guy that I am. <laughs> True story. So they actually, so my mom actually ends up in all their classes, and my dad actually did translate for her. And through that process, it actually worked out really well because then um, kind of that not just a few months later, they actually start dating, and they were high school sweethearts, Right? So then, then they're, now they're high school sweethearts, and uh, so they kind of have their, you know, their relationship, as many of us, if you've been in a relationship, know, like mostly up, a little down, mostly up, right? So then they actually get married when they're 23 years old. But before then, my dad bought property when he was 19, so they get married, and then they actually build a house on the property that he bought when he was 19. So now they have this house, so they have their first kid at 26, and then they had me at 29 years old. And this is a story that I just knew my entire life because they told the story all the time. And for me, I'm like, okay, and my dad was always like, son, when I was your age, I bought property. Like, what are you doing, right? So, so... So this is just a story that I know. So for me now, I'm 16. I'm the age that my parents are when they met. And I'm like, where's my high school sweetheart, huh? And I go to the, actually went to the same high school because I grew up in the same town that my parents did. So I go to the high school and I'm looking around, crickets. I'm like, okay, okay. And then here's what I thought. You know what? It's not my fault. It's their fault. None of these girls are good enough for me. <laughs> see, see, before... Before y'all judge me, you know you've said the exact same thing. There are no good guys in Orlando. You know you've said that. You know you've said that. Right? So that's kind of what I thought, right? So then, but my plan was, okay, no worries. You know, let me just go off to college because I went to a, a private Christian university, uh, Baylor University, Sick and Bears in Texas. Um, so at Baylor, I was like, okay, like that's where I'm going to find somebody. That's where I'm going to stop being single and I'm going to move into a relationship and hopefully move uh, toward marriage, right? So my plan going into college was, okay, like I'm going to meet somebody in my freshman year um, and then we'll kind of get to know each other and we'll just kind of kind of be friends. We're going to have like these like, uh, like kind of like almost like will we, won't we moments freshman year, but then we're definitely going to start dating sophomore year, right? And then things are going to get really serious in junior year. And then by senior, I'm going to propose beginning of senior year. And then we're going to get married right at the end of my senior year. True story. I literally thought this. Like, this is, this is the plan of my life, right? So I get to freshman year, crickets. I get to sophomore year, nothing. I get to junior year, I ha finally had my first girlfriend. And you know what? We dated for literally 12 days. I kid you not. 12 days, 12 days. So then, then senior year, nothing. And then especially if you go to a Christian school, you know this, there was just so much pressure because freshman year, like at Baylor, they, they parade all these couples in front of you that are like, here's this couple, here's Jim and Martha. And they met at Baylor and they got married and they've been married for 120 years. 
And I'm like, man, I want to find my Martha, right? So and everyone thought this. So then, like, now it wasn't just me. There was a lot of people, like, at Baylor that, and you've known this if you went to, like, Sanford, and you go to another Christian school, or even just college in general, or have been, like, in a Christian family, there was this, like, this ring-by-spring pressure, right? And you're like, man, I am less than if I'm single. So let me try to move out of being single as quickly as possible. So then, but that was me. So I had to process that. Then I got into my 20s, just navigated in my 20s, and eventually there was some things here and there, but eventually... I, eventually, I did get married. We're wondering, I did get married. I was in my 30s, though, when I got married. If you would have told 16-year-old Isaac, who was single, that he would stay single until his 30s, I would have thought, no way, like I'd rather have a root canal every day of my life than having to, <laughs> than having to process being single, like until I'm 30. Like, is there any other way? God, I'll trade you, I'll bargain with you. That's not the life that I want. Like, I never would have imagined that I would be married in my 30s. So the reason I'm sharing this is because most of the room, and I'm kind of laughing, it's funny, haha, <laughs> my own pity, sorry. No, but like for many of you, this is where you find yourself. Like you find yourself being single. And, you're not, and you have your own journey. Like I told you, my journey, you have your own journey. Like, but many of us, most of us in the room, we're in our 20s and we're single. And maybe you thought that the age that you are right now, you did not think that you would be single but here we are, right? So how do we navigate? And for some of us, as we think through, okay, well, if I'm single, like how am I thinking through this? And here's how most of us think through being single right now. See, for some of us, we're actually choosing intentionally to be single because we're not trying to jump into a long-term relationship. We're trying to avoid a long-term relationship, right? Because we're young, wild, and free, right? We're flirty, we're good, right? We're just going to go hang out, right? And maybe your story or you know someone around you, like, I'm not being tied down, but I'm still going to hook up here and there, and I'm going to have fun, and I don't want to be tied down. Like, look, look, getting, like, being in a relationship, that's later down the road, especially, I mean, if you're under the age of 24, 25, especially if you're a Gen Z, like, this is just the culture that we live in now. Like, I'm not going to be tied down. Like, nope, I'm going to be free. I'm going to do whatever I want with whomever I want, whenever I want to, and this is what many of us uh, think here in this room, is that we just want to use our singleness to avoid any sort of long-term relationship. Okay, there's other of us in the room, um, this, this was me, to where maybe you experienced that, maybe you did not experience avoiding a long-term relationship and just like hooking up and whatever you want to do. Maybe you did, did, maybe you did or maybe you didn't, but here's where many of us here in this room feel right now, is that we're not um, trying to avoid a long-term relationship, we're trying to earn a long-term relationship right? Especially if we were trying to avoid it. And now, you know, where we feel like we were bad boys and bad girls, now we feel like we need to try to clean ourselves up a little bit and be good little boys and good little girls and try to get clean so that we can present ourselves whole to whatever long-term relationship is there down the road. And maybe that's where we find ourselves right now is that we're trying to earn it, right? And it's like eating veggies. Like we hate it. Like we hate broccoli. And we're just like, oh, I have to eat broccoli. I hate eating broccoli. I'm just eating broccoli, but I have to because I need to be um, maybe like literally or metaphorically because maybe some of you, like, you're trying to be fit, so, like, you look literally eating bro Anyway, uh, but we feel like singleness is just, it just feels endless. It feels purposeless, right? It feels like a punishment. We just feel like we're flogging ourselves intentionally because we kind of remember what it was like to avoid, and it felt more fun. And right now, it doesn't feel fun anymore, but it feels like the right thing to do, but we don't know why, but we don't like it, and we're miserable, and we're unhappy, and we just feel empty, and we're like, I don't, I hate being single. And this is where many of us find ourselves because it's not fun anymore. Being single is not fun. You even, we joked about it earlier, right, where we said, hey, tonight we're talking about singleness. And what did y'all say? No! <laughs> That's how y'all responded. Because this is the natural response to being single is we're just trying, it's, we, feel, we feel empty. We feel unwanted. 
We feel unloved, we feel hopeless, and we feel heavy. That's the feelings that we feel. And how do I know this? Because I, in my 20s, experienced this, where I felt empty, I felt unwanted, I felt unloved, I felt hopeless, and I felt heavy. So if you're feeling that tonight, I'm sorry, I have nothing for you. Let's pray the band back up. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Hey, there's actually, so those are option one and option two, and both of those options seem to be terrible. Is, is there an option three? Isaac, can there please be an option three so I don't have to feel this way in being single? And that's exactly what Paul wants to write to us as he's continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where he's saying, hey, let me present to you another option of singleness and navigating singleness where you don't have to feel empty, unwanted, and loved, hopeless, and heavy. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Where he says this, he says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of a kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, look, y'all, I'm church in Corinth. I'm writing to you from a place of singleness. I'm not married, right? You ever had some married person? It's kind of ironic because it's kind of me a little bit, where it's like, hey, I'm married, but let me talk to you about being single, right? And you're like, you don't get it. You don't remember, right? Paul's saying, hey, look, I'm not writing to you from a place of being married. I'm writing to you from a place of being single. So if anybody understands what it's like to be single, Paul understands what it's like to be single, right? Um, do you uh, anybody? No, I'm not going to ask this. Um, uh, back when Facebook was cool, <laughs> I'll start it that way. Uh, I'm on Facebook just a little bit now, but it's very uncool now. But back when Facebook was cool, you could, like, change your relationship status. Um, so I, but there was, like, back years ago, there was, like, four options. There was single, there was dating, there was married, and then there was the famous, y'all know this, it's complicated. So as you're thinking through this, and you're thinking through, okay, singleness, am I single? Am I not single? I'm kind of dating somebody. Are we dating? I don't know. Are we single? Does that classify as single? Like, I'm not. Here's, the, here's Paul. So Paul's writing from a place of singleness, but Paul also defines what singleness is. And here's the definition of singleness, right? You guys ready? It's really hard. It's really hard to understand this. It is. Definition of singleness, not married. If you're, that's it. Um, uh, so Paul, so 1 Corinthians, this is also the same definition that the U.S. government uses as you're filing taxes, right? There's no, I'm dating, there's no, it's complicated, no. According to the U.S. government, but more importantly, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians, the options are you're either single or you're married. And if you're not married, you're single. So if you're here in this room and you're not married, everything I have to say is important and relevant. Okay, if you're in this room and you're dating or you want to date or considering dating, Hang on for next week, because we'll talk through all that, okay? Um, and if you're here in this room and you're married, some of us are, um, literally 95, 98, 99% of the room is single. And if you're married, we all have single friends. So even if we're married, here's, let's remind ourselves as well as let's learn how to be helpful to those of our friends that are experiencing um, a singleness. So here's what Paul, Paul defines singleness as not married. So here in the text, Um, where he says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of a kind and one of another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. So here's what I want us to notice. Paul says this. Marriage and singleness are both gifts from God. Marriage and singleness are both gifts from God, right? See, both marriage and singleness are both 
equally honorable in the eyes of God. See, God does not say, oh, that person is single because I'm punishing them. God does not say, if you're married, this might be funny or maybe not, I don't know. Hey, that person is married because I'm punishing them. God doesn't say that. See, in the eyes of God, um, single is amazing. Singleness is amazing in the eyes of God. As well as marriage is amazing in the eyes of God. See, there is no greater than or less than of singleness and marriage, right? See, the problem, though, is that for most of us, we don't think that. And, and let me, okay, let me, I'll be even more real. Um, most of our families don't think that for us. Oof. Right? Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, let's talk about me. Thanksgiving dinner. I would up, grew up in a Latino, Hispanic family. Like Isaac, that's what my family calls me. Um, Isaac, are you so single? But why? You're so chulo. You're so handsome. Why are you still single, mijito? I'm like, God, I don't know, Thea. I don't know. Like, what? I don't know. Right? And so then I learned this too today that people will look, and maybe you've done this. That's okay. Like, I don't, well, yeah, it's mostly okay. Uh, like, you'll just like, man, I need a date for a wedding. So where do you go? Tinder. <laughs> Looking for wedding dates um, needs to... Um, just be normal. <laughs> if, if you can just be, and then you go on Tinder, and you're like, no, no, like I wish I could have swiped left before I even showed up. Um, see, but we, we don't view in society and church culture, and if you grew up in church, like we just don't view singleness and marriage as equal. We view marriage as like, ah, and we view singleness as like, Egh. right? But here Paul's saying, hey, both singleness and marriage are both gifts from God. And then he says this in verse 17, we'll skip a few verses, where he says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. So I want us to notice this, is that God assigns us to singleness. We don't assign ourselves to singleness. God calls us, God assigns us to singleness, right? So if we're wondering why we're single, here's, a, here's why you're single. Because God has called you to singleness, right? See, so, so for some of us, we would say, hey, you know what, though? I'm only single for a season, right? I'm just getting my feet back. I'm getting my groove back. Let's go. I'm hitting the gym. I'm eating right. I'm finding the next thing. So I'm single right now? Yeah, yeah, but I'm only single for a season, all right? Because I'm just, I'm ready to go after this. I'm going to put my party dress on. Let's go. Or for some of us, and maybe you know this person, you feel like, hmm, that person's not single for a season. Mm-mm-mm. That person's single for a reason, and I don't think they know why they're single. <laughs> but there's, a, there's definitely a reason for why that person is single. So regardless if it's single for a season or if it's single for a reason, regardless. So how do you know if you're assigned to singleness by God? How do you know that? Because you're single. If you, right now, in this room, at this moment, it's Tuesday, uh, September 20th, 7.57 p.m., the year of our Lord, right? If you're single right now, God has called you to singleness. It may be for a little bit, it may be for weeks, it may be for days, maybe for months, maybe for years, and this may be heavy to hear for some, it may be for the rest of your life. But if you're single right now, God has called you to singleness. And as I say that, you're like, oh, I, Isaac, I hate being single. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that God loves me when he's assigned me to singleness. You're saying perhaps for the rest of my life, ain't no good God that loves me would assign me to that. And our hearts just feel really heavy. And we just feel really empty because we don't think that a good God would assign us to singleness, right? See, and we, we come home, and I've experienced this. Like, you come home to an empty room, and you feel lonely. See, and sometimes things are really fun, but it's the, and the singleness that we experience. 
we're not experiencing a lot of fun. Like, we hate, so we're trying to find an answer to, like, hey, Isaac, in singleness right now, I'm feeling empty. I'm feeling unwanted. I'm feeling unloved. I'm feeling hopeless. I'm feeling heavy. And here's what we think, right? We don't necessarily ascribe to that, because what we ascribe to is that we just want a relationship, because we think a relationship is going to be the answer to the emptiness and the, and the unwanting and the unloving and the hopelessness that we feel, right? Because we want to find somebody that completes us. That's the answer that we think is why we'll stop feeling empty is that we're going to need to find the right person who will make us stop feeling empty. We just want to find somebody that, you heard this, you complete me. You guys heard this? Right? And here's what, here's what we mean by this. Hey, look, I'm poor. I just need to find somebody rich. If I can just marry rich, and it goes both ways, sugar mama, sugar daddies, it goes both ways. Right? Right? Like, I just want to chill for the rest of my life. I just need to find somebody that already owns a yacht. If they already own a yacht, they're ahead of the game, I'm good to go. Right? Or perhaps we're introverted, but we still like going out but we just feel a lot of pressure, so we just want to find somebody who's an extrovert, and then we can just, like, cling on to them for the rest of our life. And then we never have to talk again if we don't want to, right? Or for some of us, you know, we can't, we can't cook, right? But we want, kind of want to eat healthy, so we're just like, man, if I could just find a chef, man, somebody just has a stable job. I don't have a job, stable job, can cook, right? And then that's, that's the somebody that we want that will complete us. And this is exactly what Doug, I love that Doug was able to come hang out with us last week. Um, that's what Doug was a- talked about last week. He said, no human will ever satisfy us when only God can satisfy. No relationship is ever going to fill the emptiness that we feel, right? See, we're trying to use a human, or even, and we don't even have a human, we're trying to use the idea of having a human that's going to bring us wholeness. And if that's the way that we think, we're always going to feel empty because only Jesus, only Jesus Christ, can fill the Jesus-sized hole in our heart. And if we don't understand that, we're going to feel empty for the rest of our lives. And let's say we don't figure that out, and then we get married. We're going to be married and feel empty for the rest of our lives. And then if you feel empty in that way, it's a lot more difficult to navigate than whenever you're navigating in a season of singleness. So here's why I want to say, hey, if you're single, this is actually an amazing place for you to be because you get to figure out, okay, am I sure that Jesus has filled the Jesus-sized hold in my heart? And do I know that when I feel empty, when I don't feel whole, that Jesus can make me feel whole in him and I can f- truly find satisfaction in Jesus that I will never find in another human being? I'm broken because I'm sinful and I'm a sinner and I do the things that I don't want to do, and I'm not doing the things that I do want to do, and I don't really know what to do, but I know that even in my brokenness, only Jesus can make me whole. There is no other human being that can do what Jesus does, has done, does, and will do for us, right? And I love um, this. I'm going to read this little paragraph snippet from Ben Stewart. has an amazing book um, called um, Single, Engaged, so wait, Single, Dating, Engaged, Married. It's a fantastic book. But Ben Stewart says this. He says, there is a tendency in every one of us to downplay the benefits of their stage of life and amplify the benefits of another. Have you guys ever uh, downplayed your stage of life? Just me? Just me? Yeah, I saw one hand. I see your hand. Anybody? Okay, yep, yep, yep. Yep, okay, here we go. The single person always pines away for the intimacy of the married season of life, right? If you're, when you're single, you're like, man, I just need to be married and things are going to be amazing, right? And likewise, the married man or woman romanticizes the freedoms they enjoyed as a single person. More on that later. I do not want you, Ben, so Ben, this is not Isaac, it's Ben. Ben's talking. He's like, I do not want you to do that. 
I don't want you to miss out on what you have access to in your single years that you will not have when you're married. He says this, I don't want you to miss the benefits of now because you're fixated on the benefits of then. What Ben is saying, what we all experience, is when we're single, we think being married is better. And for some of us, we're married and we remember the glory days of being single. And here's the big idea, is that singleness is not is a gift to enjoy, not a punishment to endure. Singleness is a gift to enjoy, not a punishment to endure. See, for many of us, we feel like being single has just been this punishment bestowed upon us, perhaps self-inflicted, perhaps we're blaming the Lord Almighty, right? And we feel like we're just being punished and punished. We just have to endure. And if we can just endure long enough, then God will reward us with an amazing relationship and the way that God has set up the world, the way that God has designed you, is that singleness is a gift to enjoy, not a punishment to endure. So the question is, we're going to spend the rest of our time here. Okay, well, if that's true, how can we enjoy singleness? Because Isaac, I'm not enjoying it right now. Isaac, I feel very empty. And I don't, I'm, this is not fun. How do, how, I don't, is it even possible to be fun and be single? So here's what everyone can enjoy singleness. Everybody, you can. If you're here tonight, you have not enjoyed singleness, you can. You can start experiencing joy in singleness. But not everybody does, right? And because, and here's why. Because the gift of singleness, as Paul describes it, the gift of singleness is free. But with this gift that we receive, there's also a stewardship and a responsibility to steward it well. So the question is, how are we stewarding? How are we navigating? How are we, what are we doing with this gift of singleness? Because some of us take this gift of singleness and we're like, chuck it out the window and then we're miserable. But what Paul is saying is like, hey, as we get, receive this gift of singleness, we can take it, we can embrace it. It may feel hard at times, may feel heavy at times, but we can, we can, make, it, we can make it through. And ultimately, we're going to find consistency and joy if we're able to practice the things that we're about to talk about to be able to practice. So you guys in? I got some head nods. We're okay. We, we track in. Okay, thumbs up. Okay, we're good. We're good. Thumbs up. Okay, cool. Let's get it. Seven things. Seven things. Well, let's read this first. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 where he says this. Paul says, hey, I, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So Paul is saying in verse 35, same chapter, he's saying, hey, look, this is for your own good. Right? He's saying, hey, look, this is for your own benefit of what I'm about to tell you. And this is what he says whenever he says to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So one of seven, we're going to seven things, we'll fly through these, seven things on how to enjoy singleness, right? Number one, remember your purpose. Remember your purpose. See, the purpose of life is not to get married. The purpose of life is not to be in a long-term relationship. The purpose of life is, if you're wondering... That you, here's your purpose, you were created by God in the image of God for God. Your purpose in life, if you're, I don't know what my purpose is, I need to find it. You don't need to find it. I'm literally telling you right now, you can write this down, or I'd recommend writing down the next seven things. Like, here's your purpose in life, is that you were created by God in the image of God for God. And in this for God, it is to love God and love people and serve others. The purpose of your life is to love God and love others. There you go. How we do that, there's individual complexities, not complexity, there's individual expressions of that, there's a unique expression of what that looks like. But overall, because we all have a different calling, but man, our purpose is the same. Every single person in this room, if you're following Jesus, your purpose is the same in the sense that you are, your purpose is to love God 
and serve and love other people. And we forget that when we get so fixated on relationships. Because then we try to find a relationship that's going to help us do our own purpose. And that's not how God has designed the world. Right? More on that later. Number two. Number two. We've got to remember your purpose. Number two. Uh, pursue devotion to God free of distractions. Pursue devotion to God free of distractions. So here's what I would recommend. Okay, here's what I recommend. Daily devotion. What do I mean by that? I mean daily time um, in prayer, daily time reading scripture, daily time just being still. For some of you, that felt like an eternity. And for others of you, you want more of that. You want more of just the stillness. You can just sit still before God, don't have to do anything in prayer, in scripture, and just be able to have daily times. You're saying, hey, Isaac, are you saying, are you saying that if I have daily time with God, then I'll be happier? Yes. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm saying. Now, there are other factors that go into that, but I'm saying if you're not, if that's not part of your daily recipe, you're fighting an uphill battle for joy and happiness if you're not cultivating daily time um, with God. And then secondly, free of distractions. Man, I remember, so I used to live in Dallas, and there was an amazing young adult ministry in Dallas. Many of you know this. Um, it's called The Porch. So when I was living in Dallas, I would go to a young adult ministry called The Porch. And when I was going, here's the primary reason where I was going. Uh, I was trying to talk to girls, just being honest. <laughs> and some of you, some of you feel like, uh-oh, Isaac, don't look too strongly at me. Don't look too strongly. That's, but hey, look, in my 20s, in my mid-20s, not navigating singleness well, I was going to the porch, just trying to look for girls, right? And I wasn't like weird about it, but here's what, but I would just like, I would just hope that there would just be somebody cool that I could meet, right? Never, never really did. Um, but I remember going, and my, my enjoyment of going to the porch was dictated upon did I talk to a girl or not. Did I meet somebody or not? Right? Free of distractions. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> um, that did not produce enjoyable experiences, um, both that, for that day as well as in that season of my life, trying to cultivate enjoying singleness, right? Because I was distracted, and that's exactly what Paul was saying. Hey, he's like, hey, look, not that dating is bad. We're going to talk about that next week. Dating is a really, really good thing, but there's a way to do it. And being consistently distracted from, this is why these two are together, being distracted from your devotion to God is going to make you miserable, which is why to st- before you start dating, it's important to cultivate habits around what does daily devotion to God look like so that way whenever we do add on dating, again, more next week, um, we, can, we, can, we can navigate into dating from a place of enjoyment, not from a place of misery. Excited for next week? Yeah, I don't want to say too loud. Okay, uh, okay next, next up. Next up, uh, n- number three, but let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where he says this. He says, um, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Verse 34, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. So here's number three. He's saying, hey, look, when you're single, here's what, here's what you get to do. Here's the, here's the blessing. Here's the gift. Is that you, unlike married people that have its own kind of set of things, we'll talk more about that in a couple weeks, or on being married, but when you're single, here's what you get to experience. 
You can be free of anxieties. You can be free of all the anxieties that come with marriage. And whenever anxiety, a better way, I know anxiety is kind of a, a, a kind of hot topic buzzword, but here's what Paul means when he says anxiety. He means just concern. He means care. He means worry. So in the sense of like, so for me, um, I am anxious toward Lauren, my wife, and Vera, my daughter, because, meaning I, I care for them. I have concern for them. I worry them. Right? They're at home right now, and I'm just like, man, are they, even as I'm speaking, I'm like, man, are they, are they okay? Like, do they have what they need, right? I, I'm anxious about my wife. And because of that, my interests are divided, meaning here I am trying to do ministry because I love you guys and I love the table family, but whenever Lauren and Vera are not here, my interests get divided. Does that make sense? Because I love them and I want well for them, but I also love you guys. And I'm like, ah, and not that they're in competition, but Paul's saying, hey, look, it's not, a, it's not a moral claim. It's not a competition, but it's just the reality that you have divided interests. You have anxieties whenever you're married, right? And along with that, I mean, there's like, if, if you get married and you talk to married people, I mean, there's additional financial anxieties that come into play. Because now I'm like, I'm not just providing for me anymore. I'm providing for a wife. I'm providing for a child. Man, if anything were to happen, I don't think nothing will happen here, but man, God, God forbid, like if anything were to happen now, I'm going to feel so stressed and so anxious if I'm not able to provide for my family, right? Or just emotional, right? And not just my, it's no longer just my emotions. My wife, Lauren, I love her. I care. I'm anxious for her emotions. I care for her deeply. When she's sad, I'm sad. Um, when she's angry, I'm like, oh no, did I do something? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Right? And then we have to, like, when we navigate through conflict, right? And we have to just navigate through that. But I love her, and we do, and we're amazing, and we love each other, right? But we have to navigate our um, own emotions and kind of what we're bringing in. Um, and, and it's heavy. Y'all, so I've been married for a year and a half. Can I be honest? I felt heaviness for a year and a half. Why? I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just married. <laughs> and it's not bad. It just is right? So I'm navigating, I'm working through that, right? And even for me, like, this was incredible, because even for me, I was so encouraged by Paul in this, who's not even a married person, as I was just getting ready for you guys this morning. It was just so encouraging for my soul, and just trying to figure out, even like, I was standing over there, like, during the last song, and I'm like, why am I experiencing so much anxiety right now? And I have, like, my anxiety kind of starts here, then it comes up here, and it kind of gets thrown. I'm like, what is going on? Like, today's been an amazing day. I've had a really good day today. Like, why am I experiencing this anxiety? And here's what Paul says. Hey, Isaac, you're going to experience anxiety because you're brand new just being married. A year and a half is not that long because when you're married, you have anxieties. And my point in saying that is this. When you're single, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have, you, there's other anxieties that come up in life. The marriage stuff, you don't have to worry about. And that's one less thing that you have to worry about in being being married. See, and for some of us, we're, we're just dead set. See, for some of us, we're so dead set on the life that we want, and we don't want anybody coming in to change our plan. Like, this is where I'm going in life. This is what I want. I don't want anybody to change it. If somebody else comes in, they're going to have to do what I want to do because I'm not changing. Do you know that person? Are you that person? It's okay if you're that person. Here's, my, here's what Paul would say. Um, don't get married. If we're so dead set on the things that we want in life and so um, and not willing to, um, 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 de- as we talked about a few weeks ago, be dead to ourselves, crucify ourselves, lay dead our interests to serve the interests of others, the primary person being our spouse, right? If we're not willing to lay aside our interests and our desires, right, without any sort of consultation and be able to talk through that, 
um, Paul saying, hey, look, it's best for you not to get married if you're not willing to lay down um, your preferences for the sake of serving somebody else, right? So that's what marriage is. It's a, it's a mutual dying of self. It's not like you can never, I'm saying it, we'll talk more about, again, talk more about marriage, but here's just a little caveat. Uh, you get to do things that you want to do, but it's always in, in, in mutual um, conversation, mutual submission to one another. Um, and, and if you're single, you just don't have to have those conversations and you don't have to worry about that, right? So if we don't want the extra responsibility and anxiety, um, I think sometimes whenever single people think of marriage, they think of it like I did when I was single. I thought of marriage as a single person who just happened to be married. And you can't think of marriage in that way because once you become married, um, you're thinking like a married person, not like a single person. So a lot of us glorify, what, again, more in two weeks, but many of us glorify what marriage is because we think about it in our single lives, in the amazing parts of our single life, and then we just add on marriage and like, woo, yeah, ready, to, let's go, right? And it's just a different, it's just different. And not one, as he said earlier, one is not better than the other. Single is not better than marriage. Marriage is not better than single. They're just different right? And God has called and God has assigned us to one lane um, or the other lane, maybe one lane for a season um, or not. Okay, number four, moving on. Number four, um, recognize freedom and time that you have. Recognize the freedom and the time that you have. Are you guys aware that some people, I can't believe this, some people have the audacity just to go to Disney and don't have to go through back check? Are you guys aware that this exists? Okay, do you know what it would take for me and my family to go to Disney? Okay, we have to like first find a day that works. Okay, and then if we find a day that works, we have to figure out if for sure we're taking our five-month-old daughter or if we need to find a sitter, right? Okay, and then if we're, okay, Vera's coming. Okay, cool, Vera's coming with us. That's amazing, right? Then we have to like pack the diaper bag and we have to make sure there's bottles and make sure there's clothes and make sure there's a mat and make sure that there's a, a, a burp rag and make sure that I'm going through the checklist in my head that I have to go through when, every time we leave the house um, with Vera, right? There's all these things that we have to think through, right? Yo, if we wanted to go to Disney, it would take, I'm not joking, two and a half hours to leave the house. Okay. If you're, when I would go to Disney by myself, you know how long it would take me? I, I, look, I'm not even here. I'm already there. That's how long it would take me. I'm not even here having this conversation. I'm already through with my, my, my phone, wallet, keys. I'm out, right? I'm already there. It's just, it's just different. So, like, I, I'm saying rec, re, recognize the freedom that you have. You can do whatever you want to do at any moment you want to do it. You don't have to consult anybody if you're single. You have so much time. You have more time now than you will ever have in your life. And you're saying, Isaac, I don't have any time. And I'm saying, I know. And you still have more time now than you will ever have in your life. You don't get more time. You get less time uh, whenever you get married and whenever you have kids, right? So you recognize the freedom and the time. Okay, three more. Flee. So here's, here's a big one. Here's a big one. Flee sexual immorality and drunkenness. Ooh. And here's what Paul talks about in chapters 5 and 6, where he says this. He says, flee sexual immorality, right? So what do I mean by sexual immorality? Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. I mean sex. I mean prostitutes. I mean strip clubs. I mean sleeping over. I mean oral. I mean other sex positions. Um, I mean touching body parts below the neck. Paul would define all of that as sexual immorality. Now, if that's part of your story, there's grace. It's part of my story. There's grace. I'm, my point here, and Paul's point here is saying, remember, remember what we're talking about here. We're trying to, um, uh, um, in, how to um, uh, enjoy the gift of singleness. So we're trying to enjoy singleness 
And by singleness, I mean not marriage. So if you're not married, you're single, even if you're dating. If you're not married, you're single. And what Paul's saying, it's like, hey, look, if you're participating in sexual immorality, there is a 0% chance you're going to be happy. You may think you're happy. It may be fleeting. It may be fun, right? It may be, yeah, I think this is exciting. In the long game, you're going to lose. If we're not fleeing sexual morality, you're going to be miserable, as well as drunkenness, typically they go hand in hand. Man, if you're drinking to the point of like, you know, whatever, whatever the drink count is, right, your thoughts just start getting a little fuzzy, right? You, you start just getting a little disoriented, right? You're having a good time. You start acting, right? And may, maybe for some of us, it's like, man, I just can't feel like myself until I've had a few drinks. That's really what livens me up. Man, Paul would say, hey, look, if that's how we're behaving, there's grace, right? You're loved. You're loved just as you are. But Paul's saying, hey, look, this is for your benefit. For your benefit, you're going to be miserable. And if that's you right now, you know that. I don't have to tell you this. You know this. We're miserable. And Paul's saying, and I, with as much love and as grace as possible, saying, hey, you're loved. You're accepted. This is not a salvation issue, right? The, The Corinthians were Christians, but they were behaving not like Christians. This is what it looks like to not behave like a Christian. And there's no way they're going to be happy. This is for your benefit. This is for your enjoyment, for your joy, right? So fleeing sexual immorality and drunkenness is for your joy to be able to experience God where you don't no longer feel empty, no longer feel unloved, unwanted, flee sexual morality and drunkenness. Two more. Number six, develop community around you. Develop community around you. This is, this is big. Oh, they're all big, or else I wouldn't have included it. <laughs> uh, number, develop community around you. I've heard it said, this is a really good line, where he says, Fringed, friends are forged, not found. Friends are forged, not found. Meaning, we think that when we're single, we're just going to find this amazing friend group, and if we can just find that friend, then, ah, our lives will be amazing, and we can at least, maybe not dating, but at least we can just, like, have some good people around us. And the reality of forming relationships, friendships, is that it takes time. I would actually be wary of the person that calls you their best friend the first time you meet them. Because it takes time. It takes time. It takes time to actually form actually true community around you. And here's, here's here too. Um, if around here, if you call First Orlando home, if you call the table home, um, and you're not in a life group, I don't have a high degree of confidence that you're actually happy. I love you. I just don't think that if you're not in a life group, I have a high degree of confidence that you're happy. Maybe you are. Great. I would say for most of us in this room, if we don't have a life, if you're not in a life group, you are limiting the amount of joy that you can really experience, right? As well as, um, it's really cool to have both married and single friends. It's really cool to have both married and single friends. Being able to have both is really incredible. That way, um, we can, uh, for many reasons, um, find out, like, man, singleness, man, it's really fun, right? Single, single friends just have more time. Married friends just, in general, have more stability, right? That's kind of generally how it works, right? Um, and we see this all the time, too, is that we see people that are only here, um, just in, in our you know, young adult ministry, um, at the table, really kind of like me, only to find somebody. And then you find somebody, and then we don't see them anymore, and then we check up on them six months later, and they're miserable. Why? Because they weren't here forming community. They were here just trying to find somebody. And whenever you find somebody and disappear and don't really have true, deep community, it's going to limit, the, again, the amount of joy um, that we can experience and really enjoy our singleness. And lastly, number seven, land on the plane here. Um, make plans as if you'll stay single. Make plans as if you'll stay single. Meaning... Um, I don't know, you don't know how long the season of singleness will be. 
Some of us, it may be for weeks, some of us, it may be for months, some of us, it may be for years, some of us, it may be for a lifetime. But as you're just planning your next week, your next month, your next few years, make plans as if you'll stay single, right? We know um, typically, you know, we ask kind of, hey, what's your five-year plan? Or, hey, how are, you, how are you thinking? What's your vision for your life? What do you want to do? And we're sitting across the table from people. Uh, and typically the, the first response is, oh, well, I'll definitely be married. Which is an, it's an amazing desire to want, but think through five years ago. Did you think you would be married by now? And we're not. I'm not saying that in condemnation. I'm saying this, hey, look, let's to set ourselves up well. We don't know if singleness is for a season. We don't know what God's plan, what God's assignment is. But we do know God's assignment because we know if we're single, then we're, God calls us to be single. So the best way to navigate from a real practical level is um, make plans as if we'll stay single, not on the possibility that we're going to get married. And that somebody else will help this, like, thing, hole that we have that we need filled and relying on someone else to do that. So make plans as if you'll stay single. So here's the question that I want to close with that we can reflect on. Is what does enjoying the gift of singleness look like for me? As you're sitting there, as you're processing, what does enjoying the gift of singleness look like for me? See, because for some of us, we're single for a season. And, and that season may last longer than we want it to, but nonetheless, it's a season, right? But for some of us, I mean, we're like, I'm going to name, name drop some people here. Uh, Mother Teresa, the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, Jesus himself, right, who was single until 33. So um, if you're over the age of 33, you have a different experience. But man, if up until the age of 33, Jesus experienced singleness the entire, the entire time. Right? And with, with the time and the freedom that we have, um, see, here's what you may find yourself by, by enjoying the gift of singleness, right? You may start, you have a lot of time. You may start a nonprofit. You may spend a lot of time serving at a nonprofit. You may be serving a need in the city. You may be hosting weekly meals at your home because you have time for it. And you know it takes effort. Have you ever done that before? It takes effort and energy to clean up and set food out and set plates and get everything you need and communicate to everybody, right? And you have the time to do that. Some of you would make such amazing life group leaders just be able to have people in your home and host them on a weekly basis, right? And for some of us, some of you, your singleness and how to really maximize it is going overseas as a missionary to where you feel like, man, they don't have the hope in Jesus that I have. I need to go tell them. I need to go work with a group of people to tell people overseas that don't have the access to the gospel that we have here in America. And maybe that's what and really enjoying and really maximizing the gift of singleness has. I mean, there's a lot of people, you may do that, right? You may live a life overseas. You may live a life in another country sharing the gospel with people that don't have access to the gospel the way that we do, right? And then you may hear people say, hey, look, I feel bad for you because you never got married. Wow, man, I just really, yeah, it seems like you had a cool life, man. You got to travel, but man, I just feel bad for you because you never got married. And here's what you say. You say, I feel bad for you because I'm living in God's purpose for my life and you're not. Because you're just here and you're comfortable. And I'm going out of my comfort zone to share and living in my truest purpose and really maximizing my singleness, right? I mean, do I get sad sometimes? Yes. Is it hard sometimes? Yes. I mean, but I know there's a deep joy that I'm experiencing in my season of singleness, and I'm doing what God has called me to for his glory, for my good, and the good of the, the, good of the people that don't live here in Orlando and whatever city God may send me to. See, and here's what God does. See, God uses singleness— and God uses marriage to build his kingdom. 
God used the single apostle Paul, and God used the married apostle Peter to build the kingdom of God. Um, Paul wrote more letters, though, and probably because he had more time, because he wasn't married. So again, what does enjoying the gift of singleness look like for me? Hey, man, I can just feel it in the room. And I know for some of us it's heavy. We, even you've heard all this and you still just hate. We're not happy. We hear all this. We're going to have to process it. My hope and my prayer for you just as the weeks goes on, my, as the prayers goes on, if you're single, if you're, if you're, single, if you're dating, um, if, you, if you're married, right, wherever you are, I mean, that we can just start practicing ourselves and helping the people around us practice what enjoying the gift of singleness may look like for us. I love you guys. You guys know this? I love you. I'm not trying to make it awkward, but I'm trying to look you in the eyes. I love you. I want you to be happy. I want you to experience joy in God that's only made possible in Jesus and in this season of singleness that he's given as a gift for us. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Father, we thank you. God, we're so grateful um, just for various seasons that you have us in. God, and we don't know why things happen. We don't know, uh, we don't know a lot of things, God. But here's what we do know, that you're a God that loves us. And you're a God that gives us good gifts like a loving father. God, so I'm praying for those of us that have received the gift of singleness, that we can embrace it and we can move forward in joy and not in misery, in hope and not in emptiness and hopelessness. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.